is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. They bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the studios, intercom, Maslin and Wilshire, the Miracle Mile. I'm excited about today's show. A lot of great discussion topics. Fontez perfect. Who's in the leader for the Heisman race? Why is Trevor Lawrence even being mentioned right now? What about Bryce Young? Quotes came out from the St. John's head coach. Says he's the best quarterback he's ever seen in person at the high school level. A lot of things to talk about today on the show. We got National Player of the Week. Of course, we got a sleeper of the week out of the state of Texas, a big-time receiver who I think is going to blow up nationally very, very soon. But before we get to any of that, we got to get to our recruiting. I'd like to bring in right now a good friend of the show, returning. He's always near. EJ Holland, Rivals.com. EJ Holland. EJ, what's good? What's up, Keith? Thanks for having me back, man. No doubt, man. Thanks for being on the truth. Coming back in, tapping in with us. I know you've racked up the miles. You've been coast to coast. You've seen a lot of the elite prospects, and we'll get to that. But let's talk some recruiting just in terms of commitments right off the bat. Who are we talking about and what has happened? But you know, you just mentioned him, Bryce Young, flipping from USC to Alabama. How about that? USC to Alabama, man. That that seems to be the wave when you're a West Coast kid these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was funny because I went out to that, you know, we, we talked about it when I was on last time about going out to those major California versus Maryland matchups out in L.A., and when I was out there, I ran into Craig Young, who's Bryce's father, and, you know, thank me for always promoting Bryce and stuff. And Bryce, you know, if you remember, he's been on the, he's been a household name on the recruiting trail for a while. Um, but I actually saw him when he was a freshman playing seven on seven, uh, playing club seven on seven for mm-hmm. premium. And, uh, you know, Texas started to show some interest in him and he eventually offered. And at the time I was covering the Longhorns and him back their offensive coordinator does a really good job of evaluating quarterbacks so i was like okay this guy must have something and when you know when i got to see him live a couple more times it was uh it was really awesome to see because the way bryce has grown has been tremendous and uh the way he's developed you know he fits all that you want in a in a dual threat quarterback i think bryce after you know finally you know I, i've seen him like 20 times in camps and seven on sevens etc but I finally got to see him in pads, and it's just so uh, awesome to watch. He's the best quarterback I've seen at the high school level since Kyler Murray, the most electrifying quarterback, things he does with his legs, the Houdini stuff he does getting out of uh, pressure and making plays with his arm. I mean, there's so much to love about Bryce Young. And on top of that, he and his dad, Craig, are you know two of the best people that you'll ever meet. Uh, Bryce is such a stand-up kid. And he's going to be a great leader. He's going to fit that Bama mold. And I think the job that Alabama did recruiting him uh, was tremendous as well. You know, obviously with USC kind of in a little bit of a flux, the door was open. You know, I heard that that Bryce might take an official during the bye week. He ended up making that OV kind of covertly 
uh, and then obviously committed. So I kind of knew it was coming behind the scenes, but didn't want to, you know, say too much because I've known that family for years and years. And uh, but I, I mean, Bama is getting a guy that can, you know, continue to help Bama do what it does, and that's when national championships. I can't say enough good things about Bryce as a, a player and as a person. I think he's going to be. Uh, he's going to live up to that five-star billing. And I know a lot of people still have some questions or, you know, when you're that high profile of a recruit, people try to find, you know, faults in your game. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's been some questions about Bryce's size, but I don't know. And I mean, there are questions about Kyler Murray's size. It didn't, didn't seem to knock him too much right. at, at OU when he got on the field. I, I don't really have as many concerns about Bryce. I've seen some people write that he had some accuracy issues. I've never seen that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think Bryce is one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've ever evaluated. Um, so, yeah, it is hard to find faults in, in his game, and that's okay. I mean, he's a baller of a player, and, that, and that's it. I mean, he's a, to me, he's a national top 10 recruit in the country. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I love the fit at Bama, playing for Steve Sarkeesian, who was once a head coach in the Pac-12, once an offensive coordinator, Coach Matty Ice in the league. Didn't have great success, but the experience is key, dealing with high-profile players, high-profile situations. Now he's there at Bama, the coach and tutor and mentor Bryce Young. You couldn't really ask for a better fit. Alabama's always going to be loaded at wide receiver, so... Love the decision by Bryce, but I wanted to get back to something that you were talking about. You talked about Bryce Young and just his ability to be dynamic on the football field. What do you think will be his biggest point of improvement at the next level? Like I said, I think uh, with him, it's really hard to find faults in his game. Like It really is. He, he is one of the most accurate guys I've ever evaluated. You can say his size, so yeah, I mean, he'll work at that in, in the strength and conditioning program as far as adding a little more weight and muscle to his frame. I mean, he's not that short. I mean, Kyler Murray was certainly a couple inches shorter than Bryce. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, I think, kind of thin, but he'll, he'll add some good bulk uh, once he gets in that strength and conditioning program, once he develops. So I'm not worried about that at all um as far as like i said accuracy i don't really see an issue with that with bryce i think i've seen him you know maybe once or twice just have a, a little bit of a mental lapse and throw an interception in seven on seven but that's really like nitpicky and that's seven on seven you know yeah. so <laughs> yeah i don't sure. i don't think that i think bryce is a very good student of the game you mentioned steve sarkeesian i think uh he'll you know, blossom under him. So I don't think that there's going to be necessarily uh, a thing Bryce has to improve on. I think for him, it's going to be more learning the system, getting ingrained into the Alabama culture, you know, putting in the work in the strength and conditioning program, putting in the work in, in the, the film and the meetings, because, you know, Bama is a different expectancy than, than other college programs but I if I know Bryce well which I do I think he'll be just fine you know I liken this this commitment to the commitment of uh Tim Tebow back in 2012 remember Greg Madison was talking to Urban Meyer he had a conversation and this is documented he said if we lose Tim Tebow in recruiting it will set our program back five to seven years and I remember Urban Meyer got so upset with Greg Madison because he was so adamant about how they had to sign Tebow because Tebow was so special. 
I liken this commitment to that degree of importance for Alabama. I think Bryce's commitment flips the the pendulum and from from Clemson to Bama. And now I'm looking for Alabama to kind of take a stranglehold on kind of the national dominance of college football once Bryce Young gets there. He's that for me, he's that good. He's my number one overall player. He's that special. He's that dynamic. He's that electrifying. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it on that. And, and like I said, the character part is big, too, because sure. he is, he can be that culture fit at Alabama. So I think he's going to be, uh, you know, everything you everything Bama wants, everything Nick Saban wants is going to be embodied in Bryce. I think, like I said, he's going to be a national championship caliber quarterback. On the flip side of the script, though, I mean, we talk so much about Alabama. How about USC continuing to kind of struggle? And, you know, I mean, you have two – Two, the best two quarterbacks in the nation playing SoCal in the Trinity League, and USC has neither committed. I mean, it's it's kind of rough out there <laughs> in your neck of the woods. Yeah, definitely rough, and it doesn't seem like it's going to improve that much anytime soon. I know Jake Garcia, the 2021 quarterback out of Narbonne, just committed to SC, but he's not a Bryce Young type guy. He's not a DJ type guy. Jake Garcia is a good talent. He's got a nice-looking future, but he's not like that. He's not like them, right? So Right. I, th- I think Bryce and DJ are, without a doubt, five-star guys. Like, those guys are – I think when you think about a gener- uh, a five-star guy, a, a top-ten guy in the country, both DJ and Bryce are generational talents, guys that you're lucky to see. You know, Jake Garcia, uh, you know, I got to see him practice while I was out in California for those big games, actually. And he's, a, like you said, he's a very good talent. I think he's an elite-level talent. I think he can be a multi-year starter at the next level. But I think DJ and Bryce win championships, you know. Yes. That's the difference. 100%. Moving along. Well, there was another big commitment out in the Pacific Northwest. A guy I kind of know a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and drop it? EJ. Savelle Small is committing to Washington uh, four-star or five-star linebacker, depending on which site you're on. Um, staying home, uh, playing for Seattle in one of the um, <laughs> I guess interesting turns mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, this is a recruit that a lot of people thought was going to leave the Pacific Northwest. He didn't even include Washington in his initial top five, I believe. And when I went out to Seattle uh, two weeks ago, actually, I asked, I was like, what's, what's up with Savelle? I haven't heard from him at all. And mm. they're like, yeah, he's just gone completely dark. <laughs> and then the next week he commits to Washington. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's funny how that one turned out. You know, he, this is, he was high on, on schools like Clemson, you know, Georgia, and Texas. And then, you know, all of a sudden he decides to, and then at one point, like Tennessee made a run and, uh, at the end of the day, he just decided to stay home and, and play for Washington. And good, good for Savelle, man. I like Savelle a lot. I think, you know, his stock has dropped a little bit for whatever reason. But this is a guy I got to see a number of times this offseason playing on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit uh, with FSP, uh, one of the nation's premier 7-on-7 seven seven programs. And he was really good in space. I think he's an underrated linebacker or underrated athlete at linebacker, a guy that's also just big and can spin down and play defensive end. He can rush the passer. 
So you can do a multitude of things depending on, you know, what kind of defensive scheme he's going to be in or how they decide to utilize his talents. But I think uh, Savelle is kind of a name that we forgot a little bit about or that, you know, pundits forgot a little bit about over these last couple of months. But he's still an extreme talent. Um, I, I think as long as he gets everything right on the mental side of things, uh, his physical uh, attributes will allow him to be a, a really good player uh, for Washington. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who has him as a four-star or why his stock may be dropping, but that doesn't matter to me. His stock dropping on a site basically means these guys don't know what they're talking about. So that's their problem. That's not mine. Let me tell you about Savelle Smalls. You talk about a guy who's 6'3 and some change, 232 pounds, is a legit 4'6'1 guy who not only can put his hand in the ground and give you a great pass rush off the edge, who can not only get in a motorcycle stands off the edge and loop inside in a sub package, but can also play a stand-up outside backer in a loose 3-4 versus a spread, or he could play either inside linebacker spots. He could actually be a five-star tight end if he chose to be. This is the most versatile high school prospect in the world. So I'm not sure why somebody would have his stock dropping. It's not dropping in my eyes. He's legit. Five stars all the way around, a top 10 player nationally. And Coach Key says it, it's pretty much fact. (laughs) Let me tell you one more thing about Savelle before we move on. A school, a Power Five school, offered Savelle last year, and I remember messaging them and being like, "Hey, I want to know more about this Savelle's kit because the school that I cover has offered him." Mm-hmm. And that Power Five coach told me Savelle Smalls will be a top five player in the country next cycle. Book it; he's that special of a talent. So, I mean, early on in his recruitment, a lot of college coaches were infatuated with him. And like you said, I mean, I don't see why his stock's dropping. I thought he had a really good offseason. He impressed me when I saw him. I I really like his personality as well. I'm partial to Savelle. And I think he's going to, um, you know, wreck shop. And, and I think it's good that he stayed home and he's going to, you know, put on for Seattle. No doubt around it. Let's move along. You got a chance to go see some kids across the country. We got to wrap this up, but go ahead and hit us with what you did, who you saw, and what you got. Yeah, so uh, two weeks ago, I was out in Seattle. I didn't get a chance to see uh, Sabelle. I was actually out there for the colossal matchup of Pinnacle out of Arizona mm-hmm. against, uh, you know, big Seattle powerhouse, Eastside Catholic. Uh, it was a really fun game. It was low scoring. I thought it was going to be a little more high tempo. Uh, but it, you know, it was a 23-21 game, I believe, with Eastside Catholic coming out on top. Um, on the pinnacle side, you know, they were obviously led by Michigan quarterback commit J.D. Johnson. I thought he had his moments. I mean, he made some really special throws that you were like, wow, this guy's going to be, you know, <laughs> next Jim Marble. But, uh, then he had some other throws where you were like, oh, you can see that he's still raw. He, yep. you know, he doesn't set his feet. Yep. He still needs work on his mechanics. And then he would just disappear. The offense would sputter. But it, it was just so inconsistent. It was either like he was amazing or he was not good. And I think with J.D. Johnson, the thing about him is just going to be development. I think he, he has a really good mental aspect as well. I thought he made some good plays kind of later in the game in the second half. At one point, he put Pinnacle up on on Eastside Catholic late in the third quarter as they were going into the fourth, but then he kind of disappeared in the fourth quarter. So it's just 
there's so many things that I loved about him and so many things that I didn't like about him just because of the inconsistency. So for him, it's about consistency, development, and learning from Jim Harbaugh, who's obviously been a quarterback himself and his coach, you know, several quarterbacks at the next level as well. So I liked J.D. Johnson overall, but for me, it's just those consistency concerns. I mean, he has beautiful touch. He has a really good arm. When it's on, it's on. So uh, they just have to get him to be on all the time. Sure. On the, on the other side, and Eastside Catholic, just loaded with talent. I mean, you start up front with J.D. Tuomalu, um, arguably the nation's top prospect in 2021. I think for me, him and Corey Foreman are, are right there. But he's a dominant defensive lineman, just lived in the pinnacle backfield. I mean, I think one of the reasons J.D. was – inconsistent in that game in particular is because he was tired of taking hits from JT. Mm-hmm. JT was back there all night long, and he's so athletic, man. I also saw him play 7-on-7. Seven seven. This is a guy that played tight end for that same team as Savelle for FSP and was great at it. I mean, they even split him out wide, and he ran routes like a D1 receiver at like 270 pounds. He's a really good basketball player as well. I mean, this is this is a no-brainer stud dude. JT is going to be a baller. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you had G. Scott, man, one of the most dominant players I've seen all year. Uh, shout out to G. Scott Sr. as well, one of the, the better guys you'll meet on the recruiting trail as well. G. Scott going to Ohio State, I think he's going to make an instant impact in that offense. Ohio State loves to recruit receivers that are smooth route runners that you know a lot of people may have some questions like well is he athletic man g scott is athletic it's just deceptive but he is very athletic he's explosive he had more than 200 yards receiving including i think it was like an 87 yard bomb uh for a touchdown in which he just routed up a kid and just went yard on him so he was uh really terrific to watch in person i think g scott um, you know, Jackson Smith Nigtua uh, out of Rockwall here in Texas is, is kind of in that same mold. I think those guys are going to be huge for the Ohio State offense, and the Buckeyes are going to keep humming. Um, that was great for Ohio State to, to dip into the Pacific Northwest and, and pull out G. Scott. And then you have a guy in, in Sam Adams who's a four-star athlete. I think he's an underrated guy. Um even though he's a four-star, he's he's really versatile, a prospect that I uh, really enjoyed watching in the offseason. He can play safety or running back, uh, son of former NFL player Sam Adams, also a really great kid. So uh, those are the guys we saw up in Seattle. I was back in Texas um, this past weekend. I saw two, offense, two premier 2021 offensive linemen in Donovan Jackson and Cullen Montgomery. Uh, Donovan Jackson is really really special he's listed as a tackle i think he's going to transition into an interior offensive lineman he won the offensive line mvp at the opening and he's just uh you know to win that uh against some of the best 2020 offensive linemen i think speaks volumes he was just as good in pads so he's not just a camp warrior um he has offers from basically all over the country he's really interested in texas texas a&m 
Ohio State, to, to name few. And then Cullen Montgomery is actually only a three-star prospect, but I think he'll get a bump to a four-star pretty soon. He's a mammoth tackle, just mm-hmm. overwhelms people. I think he's going to be uh, a multi-year starter at right tackle at the next level. Has really high interest in Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Michigan. He's actually visiting Michigan twice um, this fall. So I think if there's an out-of-state program that can pull him uh, or out-of-region program, it's Michigan. Um, so those two guys were, were both impressive. I think it was perhaps the most dominant offensive line duo performance I've seen they if you go look at some clips on my Twitter they absolutely bullied uh, these kids at Green at Green Hill uh, small private school small so private school it was, yeah it kind of uh, hurt my body watching them bully those kids um, and then this week I'll be going out to Colorado uh, giving some guys in Denver some exposure Reese Atterbury is a four star offensive lineman committed to Michigan Andrew Gentry is a uh, a rivals 100 recruit in 2020 class still one of the top uncommitted guys remaining in the cycle um has offers from byu uh, michigan just visited stanford uh he's a mission kid so he's technically a 2022 guy since he won't sign but he's a, a really great kid uh both on and off the field and aiden kianana who's uh committed to notre dame uh, we'll be going up against Andrew Gentry in that game as Mullen takes on Columbine. So excited to see that matchup and see some uh, some big beefy kids out in Denver. Sounds like a busy trip. Sounds like a fun trip. Definitely going to go see some high-end prospects. Looking forward to getting a report on those kids from Colorado. No question about it. But EJ, Rivals.com, I appreciate you for jumping on the truth, man. We got to get going. But, hey, man, come on back real soon and give us an update. All right, anytime, Keith. Appreciate it. No doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. EJ Holland of Rivals.com, thank you for coming on The Truth. All right, now it's time to get to our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our Sleeper of the Week this week comes from the state of Texas, and we've gone to the state of Texas a couple times now for our Sleeper of the Week, but they've got ballers, no question about it. You know, it's one of the big three states across the country, but big four now. I think Georgia's included in that mix. So big four, Florida, Texas, Georgia, California, but Cedar Park High School. They got a six foot one, 180-pound wide receiver, Josh Cameron wears number 34, but is a big-time player. Let me tell you something. Josh Cameron out of Cedar Park High School, the wide receiver, is legit. He's 6'1", but he's got a terrific radius. Big catch radius, long arms, big hands, catches the ball very fluidly. Okay, One thing I love about him. Secondly, I love his size at 6'1". Reminds me of Muhammad Sanu. 
He's smooth, but has some explosive movements up the field. I love his ability to run routes. Top of the route, he gets great separation by coming out of his breaks low and coming back to the football. He presents a great target for his quarterback. Again, natural ball catcher. He's got downfield ball skills, has the ability to concentrate, lock and low, and win 50-50 to high point. Inside routes, he's the catch and run guy. He's got good speed, not great speed, but I think it's coming. Thing is, he's an elite route runner at the high school level. He's got a terrific frame. He's got a big catch radius. He has emerging athleticism and speed to take the top off the defense. Josh Cameron, college coaches, I know you're listening. Josh Cameron, Cedar Park High School. He's a 2021 prospect. I project this kid to be a 15 to 20 offer guy. It's coming. Congratulations, young man. You're this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. All right, it's time to get to our game recap. We got one game recap for this past week. I thought the biggest game, really locally, was Mission Viejo versus Upland. Mission Viejo, one of the top public schools in Southern California, along with Corona Centennial, playing against an Upland team who lost a lot from last year, meaning the Davis brothers, but still top linebacker in America, Justin Flo still there, and a host of other really good athletes. Mission Viejo, Upland, should have shaped up to be a really good game. But for some reason, it didn't turn out that way. Let's get back to it. Um, Mission Viejo takes a 31-9 win over Upland. Uh, John Burns from Mission Viejo blocks two punts, takes one back for six. Quarterback Peter Costelli, two touchdown passes and 200 yards through the air. Justin Flo, the big-time linebacker out of Upland, had a good game. He was very physical on contact. He was running to the ball. He was hitting as usual. He showed well for himself, but the Upland team just could not compete, especially in the second half with Mission Viejo. Easton Mascarenas, the junior linebacker, 2021 linebacker, I believe, out of Mission Viejo, showed up really well for himself as well. And for all of you high school players out there across the country listening to this, when you're playing against a high-profile player, everybody's going to be there to watch him, college coaches, fans, reporters, writers, whatever, myself, if you show up, you steal some of those headlines. Easton Mascarenas, who is the younger brother of a former Mascarenas, that Alex Mascarenas, who went to Mission Viejo, went on to UCLA, but Easton Mascarenas showed up big for his squad. Um, He had 10 tackles, two sacks, uh, three TFLs, one fumble recovery, he had a big-time game, so congratulations to Easton Mascarenas for really showing up and showing out on the big stage. Justin Flo, a good game. But Mission Viejo, the Diablos, too much for the Scots, and the Diablos smacked the Scots upside the head and run away with a 31-9 victory. So congratulations um, to Mission Viejo on a big win. Two really top-notch public schools out here in Southern California, but Mission Viejo gets the job done, and uh, they move along as they continue a very, very successful season. So um, that does it pretty much for our recap. We only had one game recap for this week. All right, now we want to get to some discussion topics. Um, Biggest, I guess, topics of of this past week are the California law that got put into place that college athletes can can profit off their image and likeness and endorsements. Also, um, what about the Heisman race? Tua? I think is is in the front along with Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, 
should not even be mentioned. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the Vontez Burfick fiasco. Repeat offender. Another kind of vicious hit that was unnecessary. And uh, he gets suspended for the year. So well, let's talk about all three of those things. I'm going to give you my take. All right, let's start off with the California law. I've been a big advocate or big proponent of players being allowed to profit off their image and likeness and also be available and eligible to accept endorsement deals. Is this going to throw the college sports into influx? No. Every college athlete is not going to get an endorsement deal. Uh, but can they profit off their image and likeness? Guy has a YouTube page people like to go to and they want a Yahoo wants to cut him a check. That should be allowed. Okay. Um, colleges are not paying players to play. It's not a pay for play scheme or situation or circumstance. This is young men and women with the option to profit off their image and likeness, likeness and endorsements. I support that. They should be able to profit just like any other college student should be able to profit. What's the difference? There is no difference. So um, allowing these kids who have the following and who have people who would like for them to endorse their products or who would like to pay them for their image and likeness, they should be allowed, just like anybody else, to profit from that. Um, So that's my take on it. I'm glad it's done. If the NCAA kicks out California schools, that would be interesting. But I don't think that's going to happen. States all across the country right now are drawing up legislation to move forward and get something passed so that California does not have an unfair advantage in terms of recruiting high-profile athletes who can profit off their image, likeness, and endorsements versus other states who don't have the law in place just yet where they couldn't profit. So I do see that as unfair, and I think those other states will get on board very, very soon, and things are already moving in that direction. So I think it's great. I think it's great for college football. I think it's great for um, private business. I think it's great for the kids, the student-athletes. And um, I guess the person, I guess who it isn't great for is are the NCAA bigwigs who have been pocketing all this money off of these kids, right? They're not going to like it, but to hell with them. The players deserve a piece of something, and if this is the way to get it to them, then let's go that route. Okay, let's move along. What about the Heisman race? Wow. Um, Interesting, interesting, interesting. Had a lot of interesting conversations about Trevor Lawrence, and uh, I'm not even sure why he's even being mentioned. He is playing... Uh, very average football for a college quarterback right now. If you go back and look at his tape, uh, he hasn't been very accurate, and he just hasn't been very good. Guys, when they're making catches, guys are making spectacular catches, spinning around, catching them, one-handed catches, falling out of bounds. Trevor Lawrence has not been very good, does not deserve to be in a Heisman race. I'm not a Trevor Lawrence hater. I actually like the kid, but he's not playing good football. Plain and simple. If you're not playing good football, you do not deserve to be in the race. Simple. Okay, I don't want to talk about anything else in terms of Trevor Lawrence. Okay, now two guys I do want to talk about: two attack of Iowa, Alabama, Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, putting up staggering numbers so far. Uh, Jalen has been nothing short of phenomenal. His demeanor and his focus are keen, 
and I think his play has been top-notch. He's running and throwing the ball all over the place. Oklahoma's offense is fire like it usually is, and Jalen Hurts is doing the damn thing from start to finish. He deserves to be top two right now for the Heisman. And then also Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for Alabama, He's throwing feels like for five to six touchdowns a game. Another huge performance by Tua. I think he threw six touchdowns this past week. I think five to Devontae Smith. But Tua's on fire as well. The 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 Hawaiian lefty. Um, he's stroking the peel and uh, he's making plays with his legs as well. So I think those two are your top two Heisman candidates so far. Definitely feel like Joe Burrow um, is probably number three at this point. And uh, I think those three, those three, if you're not one of those three guys, you probably don't deserve to be mentioned, okay? Um, so that's just my take on it. Tua and Hurts have been above, been above everybody else. I think Burrow is right there underneath them. And other than that, we don't need to talk about anybody else. Let's move along. Um, and lastly, the last discussion point, Vontaze Burfick. I made, I made some comments on Twitter. Some people didn't like it, and that's okay. Uh, but... Sometimes I got to steer steer the pot. And uh, Perfect has definitely, you know, run amok for a really long time. He definitely has a history that is unmatched and unrivaled across the league. He's been suspended for 22 games in his career, totaling a whole lot of money. And I think maybe taking a season away is probably the right thing to do. All right? I know I didn't say that on my social media or on my Twitter. But sometimes I don't say what I feel just so I can start a discussion, just so I can kind of mix the pot a little bit. But um, I think, you know, first of all, let's look at the play. Guy catches the ball, guy's on the ground. It looks like the guy's trying to get up. Perfect launches himself head first into the guy's face. I've been watching Perfect for 15 years. This is just kind of who he is. He was He's playing in the wrong era of football. If he was playing 20 years ago, he'd be the greatest man on earth. He'd probably be going to the Hall of Fame at some point. But he's not. It's a different game, different rules, different expectation, and he's just a guy who can't seem to right his ship um, in that in that scope of it. So, perfect. Feel bad for him, but do not feel bad that, you know, he keeps the same behavior on the football field and he continues to get, you know, consequenced or penalized for it. And he just, you know, he needs help. He needs help. You know, rather than suspend him for a year, I would rather see him, you know, sit through some counseling and really take it serious. He needs to be reprogrammed upstairs. But it's just like jail, right? It's just like going to the penitentiary. You do something wrong, you go to the penitentiary for five years. Now, is that going to fix you? Or are you still this corrupt individual when you come out? You're still, you're even more corrupt when you come out, right? Guys, you know, they need help. They need to be reprogrammed upstairs. They need to be stimulated with a different thought process and a different action plan. So instead of just sticking them in a cell or suspending them for a year, why don't we address the issue and provide him the necessary help? Because obviously he has a problem. Continued behavior says you have a problem. The guy has a problem. Why isn't anybody helping him? 
there's no help put in place. We're just going to suspend you, take away your livelihood, take away your money. So that sucks. I don't like anything about it. But uh, those are my takes for the day. Those are my takes. And uh, hopefully you guys respect my word. If you don't, I don't care. If you do, then that's cool, too. All right? It's time to move along. We got our one to watch. Our one to watch this week comes from St. Francis High School 2023 quarterback Jack Jacobs, six foot four, six foot five, 210 pound, emerging mobility. Kid's got a strong arm. Watch some of his seventh grade tape the other day. He's just he's just a big kid, kind of lumbering around, stiff arming little kids to the ground. But he's got a big arm. I know his quarterback coach says he's gonna be special one day. Jack Jacobs, St. Francis High School, quarterback, six four, six five, 210 pounds. We'll be looking out for you. He's definitely one to watch. Hey, man, listen, I appreciate you guys joining me here on The Transparent Truth. I know it's a little bit of a long show, but uh, hopefully we got to everything that we needed to get to, and hopefully you heard something that can inspire you, motivate you, or create something inside of you that can help spark change in your city, in your environment, in your household, around your community, around your region, around the country, around the world, man. That's what it's here for. Transparent Truth is your boy, Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.